guys, it's Janice. If you love this podcast and you've gotten great value and maybe a bit of entertainment out of past episodes, please consider a donation in support of both my podcast fees and my coffee habit. There's no obligation. Just click the link below and thanks so much for your support. Now on to today's episode. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, hey, and welcome to this episode of Connections, Coffee, and Confidence with me, Janice. Actually, it's with me and Meg Hepner, who is my guest today. Meg is a life coach, a hypnotherapist, a blogger, and an event and podcast host. She's passionate about walking with people who want more out of life than just the status quo. And she believes that life doesn't have to work out exactly the way we think it should in order to be enjoyed. And that people don't have to be perfect in order to be loved. Meg is an incredibly thoughtful and thought-provoking woman to speak with. Now, part of this interview discusses judgment. In that discussion, Meg briefly talks very openly about alcoholism and abuse. And if you are sensitive to these topics, please stop listening around the 30-minute mark and jump back in around minute 35. I promise you, the rest of the conversation is so worth coming back for. Meg is an engaging woman, and I know you're going to enjoy listening maybe as much, hopefully as much, as I enjoy talking to her. And now for today's episode. Hi. I'm Janice Fogarty, and I'm a communications strategist and consultant. The Connections Coffee Confidence Podcast is for professional women entrepreneurs who have established themselves and their business, and they're ready to get serious about using the power of communication to surpass their business goals. On this podcast, I discuss everything from leadership to establishing a business vision to the intricacies of creating messaging, publicity, and more. I speak to women who excel in communications in their business, whatever they do, and get an inside look at how they created a thriving livelihood. So top up your mug and welcome to this week's episode. Well, hi, Meg, and thank you so much for joining me today on Connections Coffee and Confidence. I am so excited to have this conversation with you because I love 
a woman who has opinions and isn't afraid to have a conversation around them. I think that's fantastic. Um, can you just take a minute before we jump into all the things and introduce yourself for me? Absolutely. First of all, just I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this ever since we booked it. I know we chatted once before and time yeah. just slipped away. I was just so excited about all the things we were chatting about. And so to be able to do it again today and record, um, like what a beautiful experience. And I'm so grateful to be here. So uh, I always like to introduce myself personally, kind of first, um, yeah. simply because I'm a person first before I'm all the other labels. <laughs> I'm also just me. Um, and so I, I like to introduce myself by saying, I am a person who's obsessed with the questions. I love the questions and I love wrestling with them in whichever shape or form they come to me. I like to know how did my identity get built? How do I form my stories? How do I live a spiritual life in a material world? How do I, how do I show up as a beneficial person? Uh, and so for me, I feel like I walk around wrestling with the questions all the time. And for me, that is my, my biggest joy. Um, if I'm going into labels, my husband and I have been married for 22 years, which is a little hard to believe. I feel like we're still newlyweds, but it's really literally been 22 years. And we have two teenage sons. I have a 16 year old and a 14 year old. And so for me, the beautiful thing um, that life gives us, and I think it's just such a gift is that when, at least for myself, when I became obsessed and obsessed and obsessed with all the questions, it took me into a career that allowed me to play with the questions. So in my thirties, I became a life coach and a hypnotherapist. And so one, I had wrestled with the questions myself, and now I got to wrestle with the questions with other women who also wanted to talk about these things. And so my biggest joy is to work with women who go, listen, I was a good girl my whole life. I did all the right stuff. I did the things I'm supposed to do. And for some reason, I'm not happy. What the heck happened? And so it's really going into all of that and going, you don't need to tear your life apart to find happiness, right? Like you hear the midlife crisis where it's like, you know, all of a sudden I'm driving a red sports car with a man who's 20 years younger, although that's typically more <laughs> what men do. But um, you don't have to do that. You can literally reconnect with your authentic self and your inner voice and the things you truly desire without necessarily tearing your life apart um, in the way that we traditionally do. So that I, I just, I love doing that line of work and, and, and that's thankfully what I get to spend my time doing. That is so interesting. And now I'm curious, Okay, so I'm curious about the hypnotherapy and the life coaching. Like, do you use them in tandem or do you find people come to you for one or the other or how does that work? Yeah, you know what? It's such an interesting thing. Some people use them in tandem, which is fantastic because they're most powerful that way, right? Because really we're controlled by our subconscious mind. And so if you can do a hypnotherapy session and really get past your monkey mind and get into your subconscious and really do the work in there, you're going to make progress that much faster, right? Now, some people aren't interested in hypnotherapy and that's okay. They like to do it more cognitively. That's fine. I'm more than happy to do it that way. And then some people go, look, I've talked myself till I'm blue in the face. I'm not talking anymore. Just let's, let's just go into the subconscious and see what we can do. And that's fine too. My preference is to do them in tandem because you're literally 
combining the work, right? You're combining the work that your subconscious is doing and the work that your consciousness is, or consciousness is doing. And, and that just makes everything go faster and smoother. Do you find that there's a hard sell on the hypnotherapy? Yeah, some people think I'm going to hypnotize them and then steal their their wallets. Yeah. <laughs> because we sort of have this traditional circus hypnotist in our yeah. minds, you know, like, or I'm going to make you, you know, quack, quack like a duck, um, or I'm going to do something that you can't control so that somehow I have power where you, something might happen um, that now you can't control. In fact, there's this terrible movie on Netflix about a hypnotherapist who uses his powers to like get his oh, patients yeah. to do these terrible things or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for, thanks for just, you know, creating the stereotype just a little bit more. But the truth of the matter is you are always in control, even under hypnosis, your subconscious mind never allows something in that you don't want to let in. It's very, very, very aware. The only difference is that and, and the truth is we're using our subconscious all the time, right? Like everything that we um, see and everything that we hear and everything that we feel and everything that we taste and touch and all of that, it's too overwhelming for our conscious mind to really process. But our subconscious is processing it all the time, right? In this interview, I can only focus on so and so much. And then after that, I can't focus on more, but my subconscious is getting it all in, right? And so when you go under hypnotherapy, you just remove that monkey mind that would normally stop you and directly talk to the subconscious, which is no different than every day. It's just normally you have that barrier there. So there's a lot of misconceptions that you have to deal with. Um, but once people have experienced it, it's like nothing else. It's, it's a really incredible experience. Sounds like a really good tool. Yeah. 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 But it also sounds to me like you need to have some top-notch communication skills both to be an effective life coach but also to work in hypnotherapy i i wonder like have you always been a really good communicator or is that something that you've you've honed and practiced to get to this level yeah you know actually from the day i was born it just it all came really natural to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my first words were so eloquent. People recorded them. <laughs> I'm so teasing. No, you know what? I had the gift of having a mother who was extremely hard on me. <laughs> and she was so focused on communication. And I remember as a young person being so annoyed with her, like, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Like, I, I said it well enough, or I did good enough, or whatever. And she would be like, speak clear, you know, you know, um, you know, say that again, try it again. And I found it extremely annoying, but it really helped me because I was consciously thinking about how I was speaking. And so I chose better words. Now, that being said, it was still not a gift. Um, or something that came naturally to me, I still work at it today. I'm still constantly thinking, okay, what are the right words here? What are the right words here? Um, so it's something I have to work very hard at. It definitely doesn't come naturally. Even if my mother hadn't, or even with my mother being so hard on me, I still, I still have to work at it every day. Yeah. yeah. And what about the listening aspect? Do you find that you have to really train yourself for that? Or has that been something that 
since birth you were gifted oh, with. You, yeah, you think I'm way more gifted than you. <laughs> none of those things were none of those things were were gifts to me. Um, you know, the most interesting thing for me with listening is the need to listen for what's happening behind the words, right? Because there's stuff happening behind the words and that's what you need to hear. You don't, I mean, the words are important. You need to hear the words, but listening to the message behind the words is what's so massively important, right? Like even take, take an advertising, right? When you look at most advertising, the message behind most advertising, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You're not, you don't smell good enough. You're not creative enough. You're not enough is behind most of the marketing that you see today. And so when you realize that you go, oh, wait, I don't have to take this message in. I don't need that lipstick. I don't need that perfume. I don't need to buy these clothes because the message that I am actually affirming when I make that purchase is, ah, yes, I'm not enough. Therefore, I must have this thing in order to make me enough, right? And once you hear the message, you go, wait, I don't believe that I'm not enough. I think I am enough. I don't need this thing you're selling me. So it's, a, it's really beginning to for my clients hear what's happening behind the scenes, but also just as you go out into the world and go, do I see what's happening behind the scenes or am I just seeing the surface? You know, it's a little bit like when you go to Disney World. When you go to Disney World, um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but it's the, nope. happiest, no, it's the <laughs> happiest place on earth, right? Like everyone is happy. You get the best customer service. Mickey and Minnie are always just so, ah, but if you, ever have seen the curtain move a little bit and gotten a peek behind it's a company like any other right like there when you look behind the curtain of disney world you see a mess you see people sitting on couches and drinking big slurpees and going oh glad my shift is done do you know what i mean but when you see the surface you go ever this is the happiest place on earth and it's the same way you need to train yourself as you walk around um the world or walk around your your whatever your life looks like and go am i able to see what's happening behind the scenes or do i believe the surface because the surface is never the whole picture and that's actually to tie it all back your subconscious often sees behind the scenes but your consciousness doesn't, which is why hypnotherapy is so important, right? Because you literally, your subconscious knows when you buy that lipstick that you're affirming that you're not enough, your consciousness doesn't. Your consciousness just thinks I like that shade and I like the, you know, the actress who's, you know, has it on on the picture. So I'll just do it, right? But your spirit, your soul, your subconscious is aware that you're saying, I need that to be enough. Uh, I, I love everything that you just talked about and it's funny because what you talked about danced around one of those aspects of pr that people are very uncomfortable with or they're very um flippant about because pr is it is about creating a relationship but there are like when you create your messaging you are creating your messaging with an intention behind it yeah. And it's that aspect that a lot of people get squeamish about. And personally, the people that I work with are all ethical, moral, 
people who are are doing really good things and i think that there's a way to communicate and to communicate about your business and yourself without selling your soul as part of that package um but there are so many who are not ethical who are not moral who are intent on taking advantage of that subconscious picking up on their messaging and it's um it's always surprising to me to come across people who who don't see that extra layer underneath they're not aware that there even is an extra layer to see yeah that could go into a whole political discussion and i don't want to do that (laughs) (laughs) i i I so agree with you though i feel bad um because i think there's a whole group of people that go i want to have integrity with my messaging i want my honest values to be reflected in my messaging but we go to messaging or to marketing experts and they give us this other way of doing it that's really icky. Yeah. And it's really sad that it's so hard to find an alternative because like I will see abundance teachers literally promote themselves and say only 12 seats last. And I'm like, but you're an abundance teacher using scarcity to sell your product. The irony is priceless, isn't it? No. Right. And I'm going, someone said to you, this is how you fill your seat. So here you go. And I'm going, but there's, there's a lack of integrity there. And it might not even be in the person. It's just, even they don't necessarily know what they're doing. Right. Or this other day, I saw this marketing thing where it said, look, you're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. You're tired. You need to just learn how to relax. So quickly buy my course, like there's only five, whatever's left, you know, whatever it was she was selling so that you can learn to rest. And I'm like, your advertising just spiked my adrenaline because I went, I need it now, which is really bad for me. And so if you really wanted me to rest, you know, your messaging would look completely different. Your messaging might be, don't buy another course. (laughs) You know what I mean? How about take some time off? That might go for a walk. Yeah. Go for a walk, get into nature. You know what I mean? But what it does is it forces, it forces the entrepreneur to get more creative, mm-hmm. right? If I want to sell that you should rest, then I got to get creative on how to sell that. That's still profitable to me. That doesn't make me give up my integrity and use, hey, quickly buy this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, that onus is on me that I have to get creative for that. Yeah. And I think as entrepreneurs, it can be really it can be really difficult even if you have the awareness that that is what's happening having to dig deeper and and give it that creativity and find an alternative way of of pitching or selling i don't know if i I don't know that a lot of people put their limited time and energy and brain power into that because the industry the industry in my little quotation marks (laughs) it tells you that this is the way it's done and i mean like my hand is up right now because at the time of recording i do have a live interactive workshop coming up but because it's live and because i'm there reviewing everybody's work and everything i am limiting it I, i can only physically work with so many people in one 
time frame, you know, so I'm limiting it, but it'll be for sale afterwards forever. And it's online. So it's not like, it's, you know what I mean? I, 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 I so agree with so much of what you're saying. And I, sorry, I want to jump back for a second as well. When you talk about listening behind the words, you sell yourself short by laughing about me overestimating your skills. But in all honesty, when I go back and I listen to your podcast, which is the art of being human and everybody should go and have a couple of listens and give you a subscribe. What comes across so clearly is that you do listen to the words mm. behind the actual what's buzzing in your ear. You hear behind that and you like you acknowledge the words and then you kind of push them a little bit to the side and scoot around and you're like, oh, yes, I hear you're actually saying this. Let's talk about that. That's really interesting. And I love that. No, you're so I love kind. that. You're, you're very kind. But you know, and I'll see if I can, I can express myself in a way here that really shares what I mean. But like, I feel like that's the spiritual work. That's okay. the, 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 the spiritual work. And I think like to look, look for what's, what's the spiritual thing happening. And I don't mean religious, spiritual, like in my mind, there's a spirit side to us. And I'm, you know, I'm a very, very scientific person. So I'm not this, I know I'm from the West coast, but I'm not this like, woo, like I don't put my crystals out, you know, on a full moon or anything crazy like that. I'm a very it's not crazy. I have crystal. I put okay. it out in the full moon when I remember. So it's okay. I am not judging okay. here. Okay. No worries. I come from a very practical family with three older brothers, and they're always yeah. like, oh, Meg, the woo woo one from the West Coast. You know, uh -huh. so I'm like, I am not the woo woo one from the West Coast, damn it. Um, but from a very practical sense, there is something going on behind our physical world. And I think that's what I'm constantly trying to pull out. I'm constantly trying to pull that out. Now, that being said, that's the spiritual work of the entrepreneur when they have to go, I got to get creative. I got to put more into who am I becoming as an entrepreneur, not what is my bottom line as an entrepreneur. That's the spiritual work, I think, of the entrepreneur when they look at okay, they're trying to tell me to market this way. I don't feel comfortable marketing this way. Now what, right? You, you literally have to dig deeper. And if you do that, you're going to find a spiritual path unfolding for you where you're going to be in your business for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and feel fulfilled instead of going, I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm losing my energy and I'm resentful of my business and I'm tired, um, you know, and, and I actually don't even like what I'm doing anymore, but because this is paying the bills, I got to do it. And then you start putting out shoddy products right? Because I've seen it. I've seen people who are in this beautiful healing work that they do for people. And then you watch them as time passes and you can see the life just drain from them. And it, I think it is this idea of going, I want to do good. I want to do good. And then people are telling me this is the way to do it instead of going, oh no, I got to step back and take the spiritual journey as an entrepreneur you know, we sell ourselves short when we, when we kind of go with an expert or not expert, but like the way our culture tells us the status quo, um, the status quo is, is it's satisfying for some people, mm -hmm. 
but it's not satisfying for most people. And that's the huge generalization, which people can completely disagree with. Um, but I think of all the anxiety and the depression and the worry that's in our world right now. And I'm going, okay, our culture, our status quo is creating this. So something has to be wrong. Um, we need to revamp what our status quo looks like. When you say spiritual, can you describe what that means? Because when you're talking, I kind of feel like it's, it's what other people might call like authenticity or being true to yourself. But can you explain to me what you mean by the, the spiritual? Yeah, I, I can try. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, the that's best all we ask for. Do, right? Because for me, I'm going to use the word um, that you can interpret any word for. You can use any word you feel comfortable. You do not have to use the word I'm about to use. Um, I'm going to use the word God, right? Which some of us believe in, some of us don't. Christ consciousness, ultimate reality, you know, whatever, whatever word you want to use. This is my belief about it. You cannot capture it. And it's meant to not be captured. Because what human beings do is the minute we capture it, we begin to judge it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And so the minute we capture spirituality, or the minute we capture God, we say, she, he is like this. They act like this. It requires this. It does this. It helps us like this. It harms us like that, whatever. And so I think that God or spirituality can only be seen in the peripheral where you catch a glimpse of it as it goes by and you go, oh, wait, it's gone. Because the minute we would be able to capture it as human beings, we judge it so quickly that it becomes completely useless. 
That being said, the best definition that I can find for spirituality for myself is a connection to my highest self. If you've ever done a meditation, let's say you have had some issue in your life, right? And you've ever done a meditation where you began to flood yourself with gratitude, began to think of the things that are lovely and good and wonderful in your life, begin to accept the things that are hard. All of a sudden you get towards love and it's okay and don't worry about it and nothing is wrong and everything is okay. You get there very, very quickly. And when you're in that state, I think that's the most, that's your higher state in my mind. And there, that, that to me is the best physical experience of spirituality. And I'll give you an example. So my mom, whom I love so dearly, mom, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> but that being said, I don't think I was always the best daughter to her. As a teenager, I was willful and I wanted my own way and I didn't understand her and what she was experiencing. And in her response to me, I think she found me difficult. And so she responded somewhat aggressively and, and really, you know, maybe spoken languaging that wasn't positive, wasn't meant to build up all done in love. I realized all done in love. Um, but at the time it just doesn't feel like love. You know, when you're a 14 year old kid, you're like, mm -hmm. you have all kinds, you think, you know, everything. I am <laughs> and, a daughter. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know, that being said, there was a lot of strain on our relationship. And I thought we would need therapy. I thought we would need a good talking to. I thought I needed boundaries. I thought I needed, you know, just so much to fix the relationship. And then I went to an organization where they do these meditations and they take you through all kinds of different things, but they took you through to a higher self meditation. And it talked about the different things that were maybe blocking you or keeping you stuck. And it went specifically into relationships and the first relationship that came up with my mom. And as I connected to my highest self, the highest self that doesn't need perfection, that doesn't need, you know, forgiveness even, because who needs forgiveness? Our egos need forgiveness, right? And demand forgiveness because our egos are the ones that get hurt that doesn't need all of these different things. When I connected to myself, to, the, to my higher self, I was all of a sudden flooded with so much love for her that I'd never experienced before. And I realized in that moment, it clicked. I saw her for the first time. Because up until then, my ego had only allowed me to see her as mom. But when I connected to my higher self, I saw her as a woman had so much going on in her life and so many ways that were pulling her in different directions and how it must have been for her to have experienced me and all of a sudden I went I don't need anything from her I I just am gonna love her and I think in that way all of a sudden the need for forgiveness was gone the need for her to change was gone and our relationship slowly it's not perfect now, even to this day, it's not perfect. I mean, which mother-daughter relationship is. But to this day, I can say I love my mom with such a deep, deep love. I appreciate her and I'm so grateful for her in such a deep way that I never had experienced before. And that is what, to me personally, the spiritual journey looks like. Can I explain it really? Eh? The words don't do justice. Did I, you know, did I practice forgiveness? Did I practice boundaries? Eh? 
I just connected to the side of myself that ultimately wants good and ultimately is good. And once I got there, the rest was, was easy. You know, it reminds me, there's this beautiful mystic from India. He's a Christian mystic. Oh, I, I got to remember his name. His last name is Demille, D-E-M-I-L-L-E. I forget what his first name is. But um, he has this beautiful thing he wrote in a book called Awareness. The book is called Awareness. That's his last name. You should totally check it out. But he wrote, you silly, silly people. You think there's so much wrong and there's so much to fix. He goes, but when will you wake up to all is well and nothing needs to be fixed? And I thought to myself, in that moment when I was connected to my higher self, that was so true. All is well. I didn't need my mom to be anyone different. I didn't need to act any different and nothing needed to be fixed. And it's such a, I think it's such a weird experience for us because we're so taught this you know, you need to get better, you need to progress, come on, you know, you get moving, you got to do something, you know, that to hear something like all is well and nothing needs to be fixed sort of freaks us out. But if you can sink into it, all of a sudden you go, oh, now what? What's on the other side of nothing needs to be fixed? And there's beautiful treasures laying for us there if we allow ourselves to go there. Does that make sense? Oh, it so <laughs> makes sense. It really makes sense. And I like, I have to say, I had a similar kind of epiphany around myself as a daughter and my relationship with my, with my parents, but as my, with myself as a parent, mm. where one day I kind of realized, like it was a, it was, there was a slow kind of, oh my gosh, I'm looking at things through a different lens. And then I came to this point where I was like, you know what, if my kids as adults can look back and say, mom did the absolute best that she could. Yeah. And she never loved us any less. She always loved us. She always did what she did because she loved us so hard. If I can get to that point, mm -hmm. then I will consider myself to have been a success as a parent. Because that to me shows an emotional maturity. There's like a point in your life where you still haven't done that reflection from a different vantage point, where you're not still that 14 year old girl, in our case. <laughs> and once you are no longer that 14 year old girl, and you have a different experience and you have a different perspective and you look back on the relationships and you look back on actions and words and nonsense, you can see what was behind it. And again, it's like you had said earlier, it's that going behind the words yeah. and going behind the actions. And so that's what I, that's what I hope for with my kids. Like when they get really mad at me, cause they do, like we have boundaries. Do. They yeah. do. <laughs> it's like our my twins are 14 and it's like, well, I'm 14 now. I don't know why you think you can, you know, cut uh, off my internet yeah. access or limit this or you're 14, dude. Yeah. So every everything you said yeah. really resonated. Absolutely. Yeah. And and for people who are listening who might go, yeah, but my parents were abusive or my parents um, 
you know, my experience wasn't like, I didn't have a loving family that just, you know, sometimes yelled at me or, you know, whatever. Um, and so you, you think to yourself, so they didn't do their best. I say, um, first of all, I understand because in my family, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was very emotionally abusive. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, um, denying that those things are really, really painful. What I realized that when they couldn't do their best for me, they were still trying to do their best for themselves. And sometimes that was the best they could do. Right. So like, for example, cause it's really hard when you've had an abusive situation and then you go, Oh, <laughs> my parents were trying their best. Like that's pleasant. Like that, those words don't help. I spent many years going, that doesn't help. But here's what I realized. I was not in a position. And how do I say this? Coming from a situation like that, I said this to myself, no listener has to take this on. I'm just saying this is what worked for me. I had to say to myself, I'm not in a position to judge what was best because I don't know everything that was happening for that person. And so for myself, my dad is, 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 is a lovely guy, but he had so much trauma from his past that the best he could sometimes do was drink. That was, that was his best. He would probably have ended his life if he didn't. And so for me as a daughter, I went, you're not doing your best. In fact, you kind of suck, right? But for him, he was hanging on by a thread, you know? And very often I look at people who are in situations where they're doing really terrible things to people. And that, that, that's never excusable, never excusable. It's never okay if you're doing something terrible to stop. And if you see it, people should stop. But there is this idea of there's something in them that has convinced themselves that this is the best. Like, it's a little bit like, I don't know if you grew up like this, but we grew up getting spanked. And uh, my mom's version of spankings were not what some mom's versions of spankings were. They weren't swats on the bum, you know? They were much more drastic than that and I remember she would spank us and then she would cry and cry and cry that she had done it but she I remember she would cry and go but this is how you're going to be good this is how you're going to be good you know what I mean and so like she was trapped in her own cycle of being someone who used abuse as discipline but had convinced herself that it was the only way she knew how to make her children good you know, and so sometimes the story is so deep and, and it's so complicated that one of the things I have realized is when we try to judge things, when we try to say this is good and this is bad and this is right and this is wrong, there comes a point in time when we go in order to make peace, I can't do it anymore. I can't put that judgment. Not to say that it wasn't awful. I still think those things were awful, but there's no judgment behind them, right? And so for me, I think of it like this. Um, if, you're, if your listeners are Jewish or if your listeners are Christian or if your listeners have just ever heard the creation story, most of us have, even if we're not connected to a religion. But there's a beautiful story in the, in the Torah, the very first story, it's the story of creation where God, spirit, whatever it is, um, creates the world. And he creates Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve can frolic around in this garden having as much fun as they want. They're naked, they're naming animals, they're doing whatever, right? It's not a literal story, it's a poem, but the poem is meant to teach us something. 
And all of a sudden they decide, wait, you know something I want to do? I want to know the difference between good and evil. I want to be the one to judge it. And so they eat from the fruit, right? Which then opens their eyes to judgment. This is good. This is bad. The minute they decide to make judgment, this is good. This is bad. Garden is gone. Utopia is gone. And then after that, they have to toil and they have all these consequences because they decided I'm in charge of saying what's good and what's bad. I'm in charge of that. Now, here's the truth. I mean, you can say, oh, abuse is bad, but if you can resist judging that person and dig a little deeper, then you can actually help pull that person out of it. But as long as we're throwing judgment on that person, we're literally keeping that person trapped and we're keeping ourselves trapped as well, because now we can't connect with that person. Deep, deep stuff. Deep Deep stuff. Um, I know not one of those things was in my notes here for us to talk (laughs) about, but I'm happy to roll. (laughs) You just have to keep me on track, girl. Otherwise, I'll take you all over. (laughs) You just want to rein me back in. I'm going to, I'm actually going to sort of follow um, a train of thought in there. I know that you like to talk about like, self-love and boundaries and acceptance Mm. and all this kind of thing and when I was having to think about kind of your your specialty topics if I can refer to them as that yeah um it seemed to me like everything kind of came from that self-love aspect Mm. do you do you agree with that you know I do to me I am the biggest fan of love. I just, and in whichever way it comes, I think that love is a cure for absolutely everything. And so for me, anytime I can bring it back to love, anytime I can bring it back, it's amazing how many conflicts just die when you start to go, what would you do if you were loving this person? What would you do if you were fully loving this person? And and a lot of people, because of how our world has kind of made us think, we don't know that when we love people, we also need to love ourselves. So there's this huge movement of, of loving yourself as well. And so even just turning that on yourself and saying, how would I treat myself if I loved myself? How would I treat myself if I loved myself? You know, that's massively important. It's literally going to change your life. I, I do believe that love is the force that changes everything. That when we are in love, not in love with someone, but when we are in the in spirit that state. of love, yeah. in that state, that, that that's when you can say all is well and nothing needs to be fixed. And so I love to have people experience that for themselves and in community and for other people in whatever form love comes. I do think it is the thing that that cures everything, but I don't think most of us know what love is because we're sort of taught this idea that love is very euphoric and right. Cause I mean, we all grew up on rom-coms, right? Like we all grew up where, you know, damsel in distress and man comes to save her and there's sparks and blah, 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 blah. And that's love. And the truth of the matter is, that's a version of love and it's quite lovely when you're in it when you're experiencing that it's a beautiful thing but a lot of love is when somebody gives you something that they don't have and you don't want right 
So I'll give you an example. If I don't have patience, it's something I don't have, right? And so I'm giving my husband my impatience. He doesn't want that. He wants my patience, but I don't have it. So I'm giving him something he doesn't want, my impatience, and I don't have it, my patience. And so when I'm giving him that and he looks at me in my flawed state, that's love. When he looks at me in my flawed state and says, I accept that you don't have this thing. And I, I choose, and I'm, I'm kind of butchering the quote. I should have brought the quote up because it's such a good quote. But there's this idea of, of saying, I don't love you because what you bring to me. It's the things that you don't have that endure you to me, that make me love you because I get to see that part, right? Because think about it. If we're here on this, on this call, you see all my best parts, right? I can be charming. I can be funny. I can, you know, try to sound intelligent. I can blah, 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 blah. I can do all of those things. And you see the best part of me, you know, the side of me, my husband sees the part that's crabby, the part that, you know, is, is, is probably doesn't say the right thing. The parts that were, you know, every time my jokes fall flat, like those are the parts he sees, but because he sees that and you don't, he loves me on a more intimate level. Right. And that's often love. And that doesn't look at all like a rom-com because if you wrote a rom-com on that, people would go, well, that's boring. That's why the, the movie ends when the two people kiss and then the credits roll, right? Like all the conflict is gone. The two people kiss, the credits roll done. Because if you watched any longer, they'd be fighting about where to go to dinner that night, or they'd be talking about who's going to take out the garbage. And that's real life. That's when they begin to see the real selves. But we don't get to see that we're told no love is is that euphoria so so for so many of us when we don't feel euphoria we think we're not in love anymore with others or with ourselves and it's like no it's it's the realization that I'm so imperfect I don't have it and that's what makes me in, enduring because I don't have it and someone sees that and accepts that that that's what love looks like on a on a deeper level once again, like I identify not necessarily with the rom-com, although mm. yeah, watched my fair share. I got a whole stack of those old Harlequin romance novels, like from the 60s and 70s, which were like viciously stereotypical and very, very <laughs> unrealistic. And I was pretty sure I was going to be swept off my feet by somebody who just annoyed the light. Actually, that did happen. <laughs> he annoys the life out of me. <laughs> there's, there's a realization that that stereotype came true. There you go. So we should all be careful of what we consume when we are impressionable. So I had heard you say on a different, on one of your podcasts, that you grew up not really talking about success. And that was something that you had to overcome. And I'm, I'm really curious because you are a life coach and a businesswoman. And I'm assuming that some of your clients ha have businesses of their own or lives where they, they need mm -hmm. to own their, their successes and stuff. So like yeah. both in your professional and your entrepreneurial life, like how, how did you journey through that to where you are now? That's a good question. Such a good question. And my personal journey is very different than the journey of some of my clients because I have very different goals than 
than some of my clients do personally I, in my finances and in the way that I run my business. I have very, very different goals than some of my, my clients do. Um, I grew up with this idea that um, to be good, you needed to be poor. And that, so whenever there was success, it was very uncomfortable. And it, it was a huge belief system in my family that success was bad and poverty was good because it meant you hadn't hurt anyone or taken advantage of anyone or um, done anything unethical, right? And so for a very long time, my mom is so sweet in this. My mom is a business owner. She's been in business for 30 years and she will like, man, she gives stuff away constantly. She's constantly. And then at the end of the month, she's like, oh, it's really hard to make ends meet. I'm like, cause yeah, give so many things away and any charity that comes. Absolutely. Anyone that comes and says, I can't quite afford this. Just give me what you can. Like she's, she's such an overly generous person that it starts to impact her own life differently. And I had a lot of people say to me, but when you have money, you can do good, right? That's what we tell ourselves. But look, the more money you have, the more good you can do. That never felt right to me. It never felt good to me to say, but the more money you have, the better you are. Because I'm too aware of human nature. I'm too aware that human nature will begin to hoard to itself very, very, very quickly. You may start that with good intentions, but... I'm very leery of that way of thinking. All of my, my heroes, all of the, the, the mentors um, were people who committed themselves to non-attachment to things. Um, most of them lived a life where they didn't have because they literally just allowed things to flow through their fingers. So I really had to come to terms with that and say, how can I create a successful business and continue to allow things to flow into my, through my hands. Um, because what I make, I don't want to keep. I don't. I want whatever I make to flow through my hands. That's for me personally. There's other people who have different goals who say, well, I want to, you know, buy a house or I want to whatever. And that's fine. Or, you know, I want, you know, I want to, you know, do something in business. That's fine. I don't find that I attract a lot of those kinds of people because my mission is really to stop consumerism, right? I'm not the biggest fan of an economic system that's based on, on consuming. I don't think it's good for our planet. I don't think it's good for our spirits. I don't think it's good for our mindset. There's nothing good about there's very little good you catch me, catch me in my own limiting beliefs. There's very little good that comes from a system that says you must consume more and more and more and more in order to be happy and in order to survive. So a huge chunk of what I do is literally saying, if you want it, that's fine, but you got to know why you want it. Most of the time we want things because it's going to fill a hole in us. There's going to fill something that we think is lacking and there's better ways than success 
to fill that lack. Now I want everyone to pay their bills, et cetera, et cetera. I've had to, you know, learn how to do that myself and, 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 and allow things to flow through me while still being able to provide what I want. But I'm, I'm a big believer in this idea of um, really challenging all these things you think you're going to need, because what happens is we all say with more money, I do more good. And, and, and yeah, you know, I mean, you make a billion dollars, you give 50 million away. That's a, good for you. Good for you. But I, I, I think humans can do better. I think that we can pay people a fair wage. I think that we can um, provide healthcare for people. I think that we can make people have access to a stellar education and not have our education system be based on the taxes in that area, which are, are not great because you live in a place where there's poverty. So now your school system has to, has to suffer. Like, I, I think that you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be brutal. And this may sound a little judgmental, but if you, if you have billions of dollars and you gave $50 million away, I'm not impressed. If your company has employees that, that are suffering, if you, you know, if you base your business on consumerism, aren't, if, if you're global so that you don't have to pay taxes in your country, the country that supports the buildings that your business is in, that creates the roads where your employees drive, I'm not okay with that. And I'm not impressed by by you know your your charity tokens that you give out. So for me personally, I challenge very strongly um, the status quo on on what we need and generosity and why why is your success story your success story? Did you get it from you know these people that we tend to idolize? You know, like people are so freaking impressed with you know, I mean, we don't, we're not, no one's really big fans of Jeff Bezos anymore, but like, we're, we're so impressed by these, you know, people who have made so much and we go, oh, I should hit $10,000 a month. I should hit six figures. I should blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, why, why, why should you hit that? Why should you constantly be thinking more, 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 because I'm going to tell you something, if that's your thought pattern, if that's the way your brain is wired, it will never be enough. And that will eventually take precedence where you're going to start saying, I will make concessions to my integrity in order to meet that more and more and more desire. I do it myself. I do it myself. I have a bloated closet. I have a walk-in closet that's bloated. Can I tell you something? If I go into a store and I feel like, okay, I'm a huge tracksuit fan. If I see a tracksuit, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this. It's a slightly different shade of gray. I should get it. Why? Why? I have a bloated closet. Do you know, I need to do some soul searching. Why do I think that that is going to fill some need in me? It's literally going to get shoved back to the back of my closet. So the same thing, if I say I'm going to expand my business, so I make that, I make that integrity, I make that integral kind of, um, I, I lose my integrity in that moment, right? Because here's the thing. I believe that I should not have anything more than I need. And I believe that the universe will give me everything that I need, right? So those are my belief systems. But when I see something shiny, like the tracksuit, and I go, oh, but I would wear it a lot. Boom, my integrity took a little dent in it. Do you know what I mean? And so just multiply that throughout business. Multiply that. You know, I know I teach abundance, but I will say 12 seats left, even though maybe that's not true, you know, because that's probing for pain to motivate people, right? Because that's what we do. We justify it. There's nothing wrong with po probing for pain to sell something if that's legitimate and full of integrity. But if we use methods that are such BS 
we could have 50 more people show up and we'd only be happier, but we're saying we want 12 people so we can probe that scarcity pain. You know, we have to be so freaking careful, like integrity. You have to have integrity. And now I'm on a soapbox and I'm actually preaching and you're looking at me like, girl. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. You weren't going to stop me. I could have gone no. on forever. <laughs> oh, we would have hit a point where I would like, you'd have to breathe. And I would say something. Um, that's what you were waiting for. When she takes a breath, damn it, that's when I'll say something. <laughs> no, well, it, it makes me wonder, how do you get your clients? And who are they? I, my clients are women. Like I sort of said in the beginning, right? My clients are women who've done it right and aren't satisfied. So for me... If you have been that person who did everything you were supposed to do and your life did not turn out the way that you thought it would, we need to reevaluate why those stories attracted you, why you, why you fulfilled those stories. We need to get you reconnected to your authentic self. Now, if you come to me for business, the truth of the matter is you're going to need to be in alignment kind of with my thought pattern. If you're not, you're probably going to want to go to a different coach. Right. If you if you're going like, I just want to make ten thousand dollars this month, I just want to make twenty thousand dollars this month, whatever, I'm not the coach for you. And I'm happy to have you go to someone else. And I mean, I have people like that all the time in my world that I observe, and I'm like, you know, go to them, go to them. I'm not for you. So for me, I wouldn't be attracted to that particular type of client. But I am huge on community. I love community. So for me, I build community all over. Like right now I run two big community groups and I'm part of the third. And so for me, that's how I get clients. That's how I get customers. I create community where women, I work predominantly with women, where women can come together and gather, right? And so I do, I always do um, a drop-in, right? Come drop in, flavor what it is that, that I do. If you like it, I'm, I have a, a group that you can join. Now you can be part of the community where we do the inner work together, et cetera. If you love that and you want it to be more personal, then you can work with me one-on-one. -on -one. So for me, that works. And I find that a lot of women lack community. And so to, they're attracted to this idea of community. And then for me, I get to hit my goal no matter what right? For me, my, my goal is always to empower and support women and help them find a place where they can be their authentic self and where they can kind of tear down what needs to be teared down and build up what needs to be built up. So if you just come and do it through a drop-in group and that's enough for you, amen. I'm so happy if doing it very specifically in a specific group with me leading it is what you like. Fantastic. Boom. Did it again. If working with me one-on-one -on -one does it amazing. Um, but, but that's, that's how it works for me. And how would people find you if they wanted to work with you? Great question. So like every other human being, I have a website. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> You can, you can connect with me on my website. Um, it's just meghepner.com. You'll find me. The only social media that I'm on is Facebook because apparently I'm just um, a Facebook mom, according to my kids. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not on any of the cool social medias like TikTok or any of that. I just do uh, Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, absolutely 100%. You can look me up and we can be friends. You can also look at my podcast if you're interested mm -hmm. in more information about me. And then, and I can share this link with you, Janice. Um, I also have a community that you can find on Meetup called Soul Sisters Women's Circle. 
Soul Sisters Women's Circle. Oh, that's hard to say. I don't think I've ever had to. Blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> Sorry for making you do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Um, so if you're interested in finding out what it would look like um, to join a circle, I, I suggest you check it out on Meetup. Um, I'm located in South Surrey. So you have to set your location to South Surrey, but it's all online right now. So wherever you are, you can join a circle and uh, do a drop in first to see what that looks like. And then if you're interested in doing a circle where you work through the work of, of kind of deconstructing and reconstructing your life with community, then you can join a circle that does that. That's an amazing experience. And then if you want to work one on one with me, you can do that, too. They all sound very enticing. Yeah. All enticing options. <laughs> Before I let you go. <laughs> can you give me a little flavor of your thoughts on going with the flow when you mm. do have those business goals? Oh, so good. You know, it's such an interesting thing because we're taught to do business in a very masculine way, mm -hmm. right? We're taught to do business and set goals, achieve goals. That's how you market your success or that's how you, you decide if you're successful or not. When you're in your feminine you are more go with the flow. And so it's more of an attunement with what's right. What's the right next step. And yes, you have a goal, but you're not as attached to the outcome, right? You're more attached to the impact that you're going to have, or you're more attached to the purpose. And as long as your flow is in purpose and in impact, then the actual goal doesn't make as much of a difference. Did I hit this amount? Did I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now it takes a lot more attunement to be in the flow than it does to do a goal because a goal, I mean, we've all set smart goals before you do the action, blah, 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 blah. When you're going with the flow, you're doing a constant check-in with your body. Does this still feel right? Does this still feel like an integrity? Does this still feel like the right path for me? And you may find that, oh, I'm shifting more, a little bit here and there. I'm moving, right? I'm not just staying as, as um, like bullseye with the goals. And occasionally, because we live in such a patriarchal society, we can go, well, then I'm failing. But this is what's so important about women business leaders stepping up, because we have to let people know business is so much more than hitting a goal. It's so much more than that. It's how, what is the impact that I have? How is my community being affected? Right? Like, and, and even, and, and people don't realize this, but like even huge, um, huge male figures in the business industry or in the sports industry, what do they all long for? They long for flow. And nobody realizes that's a feminine state. That's a trait of the feminine. So feminine energy is fantastic for business. It's just that we've for so long been in a patriarchal society that we assume going with the flow won't get us anywhere. We think that means no movement. Oh, I'll just sit here then because I don't know where to go or whatever. You know, We think we need to do it in a really patriarchal way. Um, but, but going with the flow you may find that, that your outcome ends up being a little bit different than what your goal was. But again, it's that spiritual journey of saying like, I'm open, I'm open to what the universe has for me. Perhaps what I picked in the beginning as my goal, maybe that wasn't right for me, right? Like the old saying says, man plans, God laughs. And so there's like this idea of if I go with the flow, it might not look the way I'd planned it. And we all love control and we like to, you know, have everything under wraps but I'm going to be more fulfilled. I'm going to be more excited about my work, et cetera, et cetera. There is that expectation of doing the linear, the goal and the march towards that goal and to break down each 
action in a timely fashion and um and that's hugely intimidating and if you do it that way and don't follow through on it you do feel like a failure yeah you absolutely yeah. do um in the fall <laughs> uh i actually did a i held a goal setting session with a bunch of women from my facebook group and that was my whole approach was like okay we're gonna try this mm. let's just you know we have a, a goal in sight like we have somewhere where we want to go we have something that we want to accomplish a feeling that we need to get to like where yes this feels like i have done a really good thing and now let's work towards getting that feeling and let's see you know like i didn't want it to be a huge high pressure it was more with your words i can see now it was more about flowing into it mm. and trusting yourself and not judging what you were doing based off of what you were supposed to do or what you feel yeah. like you should do i hate that word should i i work mm -hmm. very hard to mm -hmm. keep that mm -hmm. out of my out of my vocabulary and that i'll tell you this has nothing to do with anything but when i worked for the government of bc i used to work for the ministry of education and there was a wiccan who worked with me and i remember her telling me she stopped me when I was, I was talking to her about something and she was like, that word should, mm. you are putting so much pressure on yourself yeah. that yeah. whenever you find yourself saying that word should, I want you to stop and think why you feel like you have to use that word. And I was like, you know, I think I was 21, 22 at the time. And it stuck with me because I am, I'm well out of my twenties. That was half my life, <laughs> almost half my life ago. <laughs> that's but, beautiful. Wow. Yeah, that that that's impactful, and how beautiful that you received it, right? How beautiful that you could take that in. I I think that's lovely. You know, to your point, um, really quickly about you know the goal setting and and the flow. There's nothing wrong with the masculine. It's not like that's a yeah. bad way of doing it. It's just if that's not your predominant way. If you if you if you are more dominant in your feminine, then trying to mold yourself to a masculine will feel bad. And I always think of it like this, right? Like if I tell my husband, "Hey, tonight we're going out. You need to get a new pair of jeans." He will drive to the store. He will walk into his favorite jean store. He will buy a pair of jeans. He will come home done. Done. Right? If I say to my husband, and and that's traditional goal setting, what's your outcome? When are you going to do it? How long is it going to take? What's your first step, right? Blah, 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 smart goals, whatever. If I say to my husband, we're going to a party tonight, I want you to get a new pair of jeans. I am going to probably stop at the mall, but then also maybe Winners or Marshalls. I don't know. I don't know. But then, you know, there's the Club Monaco at the other mall too. And I kind of like their dress pants. I, I don't know. You know what? I'll go to the mall first. Okay, right. So already it's not just one store. I'm already thinking of all of the stores I like to shop, yeah. right? Then I'm going to go in and I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to go, Ooh, wait, hold on. There's a sale at RW and co. I like that store. Maybe there's something in there. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, the gap has, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and I got to pick up sweatpants for the kids because my kids love sweatpants. Okay, great. I'm going to do that. I know. I know sweatpants, the sweatpants trend, man. And, and all of this stuff. And then I'm going to come out and I'm going to buy a dress. Yeah, I'm not going to wear jeans. To, I'm going to wear a dress. So like, that's a little bit of going with the flow. So it's like, you can have this idea, I need a new outfit for tonight. Yeah, it's still the goal. It's almost like the higher goal. But like how that's going to happen. There's going to be flow to that. There's going to be a ton of flow. Yeah, 
and it was it was really interesting because it was the thing that the women who were in on the session with me that's what they had all said was either i've never set a goal because it was so intimidating i just can't logic my way through there or they said i have always set goals and then i stopped because i never reached them and i felt so awful about it i don't want that awful yeah. feeling yeah so yeah there's a lot of deconstructing what society has been for so many people in so many different ways it's an interesting time to be around it is it's exciting times yeah and i thank you for sharing this time with me oh, and my listeners so honestly i have to say like from the moment we met i felt an instant connection because you were just like one big heart <laughs> around you are just the most <laughs> lovely person and the people that work with you i mean they're so lucky because the way that you, the way that you create this container to be able to explore and the way that you are able to encourage and challenge and hold that for people. I mean, that's exceptional. That's exceptional. Oh God, and I'm sure so that, yeah, the people that, that work with you, I am, I'm 100% sure they find themselves very, very lucky and blessed. Oh, well, I'm going to go and have a little cry at the niceness of that now. Thank you so much. I'm going to get that embroidered on a t-shirt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much again for having me. Thanks so much for listening this week. I invite you to sign up for my email list or join me in the Connections Coffee and Confidence community on Facebook. Those are the people who get first dibs on any classes or products I create, and they benefit from the extras I can't get into in a podcast format. I also lovingly request that if you've enjoyed this podcast, you leave a review on Apple. When I see a new review, I get so excited, I almost spill my cappuccino froth. Almost. And if you're a woman entrepreneur who's ready to get serious about using the power of communications to grow your business, send me an email at Janice at JaniceFogarty.com. All my details are in the show notes. Thank you again for listening today, and I'll chat with you again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.